we're going to jump into the scriptures. We're going to kind of be all over the place. But uh, in this season and when, in this last week of what we call Advent, this um, Advent season that um, we celebrate during this time of the year as a church, it's the celebration of the one who came and the one who's coming. Amen. And last week we talked about how um, this God has given to us the solution for our problem. That the world, the Bible talked about those who were sitting in great darkness saw great light. Those who sat, got comfortable in darkness, a light has shined upon them. And that light would bring life. Amen. And that light came via a child that was born to us. Isaiah 9. And this child that was born and given to us would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There would be no, there would be no, um, uh, the, the increase of his government will continue forever. Amen? This is Jesus Christ. This is who we celebrate. This is who we worship. This is who we love. The one who came as the light to our darkness. Amen? So, I want to talk about how we should be like the most hope-filled people in the whole world based on this God. But I'm with people all the time, and I'm with a lot of different believers and non-believers all the time. And man, people lack hope. There's no lack of what God has offered that should be our hope. It's that we just don't Make it our hope. And so I, I, it's my desire that as a family, there would be no possible way for, for um, a lack for hopelessness to rise in this place. I, I don't think there is because I, I'm around you guys, but I want you to know kind of how to live from a place of hope. And, um, you know, hope is connected to to many things, and I want to kind of look at that this, this morning. But one of the main things that's connected to is joy. That when I'm around Christians who, have, who lack joy, who can't do something like this, put something like, they just take themselves too seriously, all the fun. There's no fun. There's no fun. This is very serious. You need to get very serious because God's serious. And there's no fun. There's no joy. There's no excitement. There's no, none of that. You have to remove all of that that I get worried, I get very worried. If I can't put this on, then I'm taking myself way too seriously. If I can't put on snowflakes and reindeer, I'm taking myself way too seriously. I'm serious. I really believe that. Now, there's some stuff that you can do that's a cult, and we could say, okay, yeah, don't do that. But if you begin to take yourself too seriously, you've either judged that that's how God is, Right? But I, I get around people who are, they don't just lack joy. They, they, they actually are on the other side of that. But I just believe that you can actually measure someone's hope based on the level of their joy. Because they're connected. And our world doesn't understand that because they don't understand what the Bible actually says is hope. What, even what the word hope means. Because our world, hope is, in, in our Western world, it just means wishful thinking. It's that I hope the Seahawks win. Right? And if it's this year, you don't got a good hope. <laughs> okay, so, 
You've lost your hope, okay? You're hopeless. So there is, I don't see any hope of the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, okay? Zero hope of that. So, but if that's where your hope was, you've lost your hope. But if you have a real hope, you can't lose it. But that's, that's not what hope is, by the way. Wishful thinking is not hope. The word in Hebrew means cord. It, it means cord. It's what you hold on to. It's, it's an anchor. That's what it means. And so it's not wishful thinking. That's not at all, can't be related one bit, but that's what our world has. So I want to make sure that that's not what you have. That hope is an eager expectation of the promises, the person in the presence of God manifesting in your life. That's what hope is. It's an expectation. And it's not based on... People think that Christianity is just like... It's just hopeful thinking still, wishful thinking still, where there's no evidence. Like the Seahawks winning... I don't even know if they play today. I haven't watched football this year, but... I just know the score, the record's not very good. But I think they were like, well, we beat the 49ers. I'm like, good job. So um, <laughs> that's just not that good this year, okay? So, so um, that, 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 that expectation that we have actually is based on something. It's based on the person of God. The faithfulness of God and the fact that he made promises and we go, yeah, well, he's a promise-making God and he fulfills his promises. So we have an expectation. We have an expectation because of the person that made a promise. Okay? So here, here's what I, I mean to all of that. You, the, the, the world, let's say the Seahawks were to win the Super Bowl. Someone's going to win the Super Bowl in February, right? So whoever wins that is going to go to their locker room and they're going to be like, yeah, thank God, right? I'm going to Disney World, whatever. So, but they're going to give God credit. They're going to say, thank you. Some people are going to do that, right? We see that at World Series. We see that at Super Bowl. We see that at sporting events, right? Olympics, whatever it is. People start to thank God, which is really cool. But that kind of joy is not even what I'm talking about. The joy that's in response to something that has already happened. And the Bible talks about that. That hope that's already seen is not hope. You don't hope for something you already have, okay? So there's this balance of what Christianity has that I want to make sure that that's why people lose it is because it is attention. It's a promise that you don't have the it yet. Once promised isn't yet, which is a whole new heaven, a whole new earth, you with a whole new body, you'll never get sick or die again in the presence of a living God and delight in him forever. That's the hope we're talking about. That's what's coming. Okay, that's, there, that's the promise. The hope is the expectation of the promise happening. Okay, now, now the confidence of the expectation is faith. So let me just break this thing down for you because we got, we got faith and hope. They work together, right? Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the certainty of things unseen. The certainty is the faith. The expectation is the hope. 
Okay, so I want to make it clear because the, ver- the Bible uses this language and it just runs through it. You run through it and you're not seeing because it doesn't say faith. It says expectation. It says this, it says that. So the, 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 expect- the thing that you're expecting is the hope and the certainty of it, that event happening is the faith. So you have an expectation there will be a new heaven. Jesus will return for you and give you eternity with him. That's the expectation. The level at which you believe it is the faith. Okay. So we have this, this, this thing that we should live in, and it should produce joy. Not after it happens, it produces joy. You have such a confidence it's going to happen, you already have joy. My kids already have joy about December 25th. This is, the, this is what I'm talking about. Why? Because they know their parents. They know the nature of their parents. The habits of their parents. They already know it. So they have an eager expectation of something. And they already have the joy as if they already have it. Now, on December 25th, they will receive that which they're expecting. And they will delight in the joy, but they already have joy. That's what Angie's talking about. The kids are sigh. <laughs> if I were to find my son and ask him how many days until the 25th, he'd be able to tell me. He'd be like, he, he knows. He has that thing, right? He's counting down to it. There's an eager expectation of the arrival of that because they know what comes with it. And the reason that we as a church or as a people lack joy is because we've taken our eyes off of what's coming. We're not expecting it. And that's why this season, that's why the festivals of of the, the Israelite festivals and the Christian festivals that remind us of what God has done and what is coming. That's why Advent and Lent and all these things are so wonderful and beautiful and, and amazing is because they remind you and they, they, they cause you to get ready, to stay ready, whether it's there's something that needs to actually be done or just a heart that bubbles forth with excitement and expectation. Amen? So Luke 2.10 that Pastor Jared uh, spoke about, he says, don't be afraid when the angel shows up to the, the shepherds. I bring you good tidings and great joy. I bring you good news that's going to bring great joy. If I say to my kids, I don't even want to say it because they're in the room, but I got you a dirt bike, right? Or something like that, right? I didn't. <laughs> Michael Block would have to give you that. I'm not giving you that. So, so that, would, that would be good news that would bring great joy to a kid. Right? To an 11 year old boy. So, Esther would be like, okay. So, uh, <laughs> not that good of news for Esther. So, but that would bring great joy. Now, this good news that brings great joy goes on to say, for this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, which means the anointed, the Lord has been born. The good news is that a Savior was born. Now, if you need saving, you're like, 
Yes. Last week I talked about that. To the level of what you realize you need will be the, to the level of the excitement that you have for that. Right? So if you can't pay your mortgage and you're like, like on the last day before they late for you or whatever it is, and out of nowhere someone, that level of joy goes up. But if two months before when you were doing fine, you didn't have any problems and someone, you're like, oh, thanks. You know, it's not as exciting except when you really need it. Or if you're a parent and you want to give your kid a gift and you don't have any money, that it's like, ah. and if someone gives right then, in that moment, joy goes up. Why? Because you had a need. But if you had no need and someone gives you, if someone gives Jeff Bezos $1,000, he's like, oh, thanks. He didn't need it. So it's like, oh, that's nice. Thank you. But you give someone who doesn't have anything to give their kids $1,000, joy is going to go through, up, right? So it's based on your need. And that's what I'm just saying. We forget as Christians our need and the great solution that God gave for that need. We forget. And we forget how that's a sign of what's to come. That if God has been faithful, the scripture says in Hebrews, he's, he bound himself with an oath. Let's just go there. This is amazing. This God of ours promised something and then bound himself with an oath, meaning he has to do it. This is too good. Six. Hebrews 6, we'll just start in, let's say, 11. Let us therefore be diligent. Oh, wait. It does say that, but it's... Literally, I read 4.11, and it said, let us be diligent. And 6.11 says, let us be diligent. So it's funny. We desire to teach each one of you that you would show diligence to full, to full assurance of hope until the end. He says, our desire is that you be diligent, filled with an eager expectation till the end. That's our desire. This is the, the author of Hebrews' desire, is that the believer would be filled with an excitement, a joy, an expectation until the end. That you wouldn't be sluggish. That you wouldn't imitate those through faith, that you would imitate those through faith who patiently inherited the promise. They, they were eager and expectant expecting and exciting filled with joy and they waited though but their waiting was with joy until the end and because of that they didn't become sluggish they didn't turn away from the destination they were just eager and patient filled with hope and excitement for the fact that they believed God that the, the promise would be fulfilled and then he uses an example of someone who did that. And he says, Abraham, and God made a promise to him. And because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessings I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. 
For men indeed swear by, by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them and an end of all dispute, meaning they will do it. There's no dispute. Well, maybe you won't do it. No, they bound themselves with an oath, meaning God, if an Israelite were to put, bind themselves with an oath, he's like, yeah, God will actually, if I don't fulfill the oath, God will curse me. God will, will be against me. That's the one guy you don't want against you. So you're like, I'm not going to swear by an oath by God because if I don't do it, then God Almighty will be against me. You, you would never do that unless you actually intended to fulfill your oath. So it's binding. He says it puts an end to the dispute. Thus God, for an, uh, thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirming it by an oath. Meaning, I will for certain do this to show you that I'll bind myself to an oath. God saying, I can't get out of this. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to bring about a new heavens and a new earth. I'm going to save all those who will let me through my son. And to prove that I'm serious, I'm going to bind myself with an oath. I won't even be able to get out of it if I wanted to. Because God, goes on to say, is impossible for God to lie. We, we might have strong consolation, uh, uh, encouragement, basically. For those who have fled for refuge or lay hand, uh, lay, to lay hold of hope, the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor to our souls, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence be, behind the veil. So we have grabbed a hold of a rope and we're being pulled into the presence of God to go beyond the veil. This hope we have pulls us into the promise. Amen? He says, God said, I promise you I'm going to do this thing. To make sure you, you don't think I might change my mind, I'll bind myself with an oath that I'll do this thing. So God made a promise in Genesis 3. He's going to send someone from the woman to destroy the work of the devil. That person was born. That's what we celebrate in this season. That God fulfills his promises. And if you believe, this is the amazing thing. When you read James or Luke or any of their accounts, they're not, they didn't say once upon a time. That's what we write when we make up something. Once upon a time in a land far, far away. Meaning this didn't really happen. No, no, no. Matthew says, and Luke says, at the time of Caesar Augustus, there was a decree. He, he roots it in history. He says, it'd be like us. Some of you are too young for this. Let's say, I'll use a more recent one. You know, any president being elected, you could, you could say, you know, George W. Bush in his second election, and, and, and people in this room can go, yeah, I know when that was. 
these events happened. There was a market crash. We were like, yep, Stairville lost this much or whatever, right? Seven months after George W. Bush was elected the first time, 9-11 happened. We can mark history through those who were in office and events that happened. So I'm saying it's not once upon a time. It's anyone alive during that time, 9-11, right? Remember President George W. Bush being elected eight months or so, seven, eight months later, 9-11 happening. I remember it because history. It happened. I got arrested on 2001, 9-11. The day it happened, I got arrested. So, so like, I remember it. <laughs> in the handcuffs, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> funny, not funny. So, <laughs> but those, that's history, something that really happened. The authors of the Gospels don't say once upon a time in a land far, far away. They said, hey, remember when Caesar Augustus made that decree that there should be a census? And they're like, yeah, God. Yeah, I remember that. We all had to leave where we were and go back to our hometowns and be counted for. I remember that. Yeah, okay, so when that happened, there was a man and a woman. And they're like, oh, wow, tell me. Yeah, her name was Mary and his name was Joseph. He was from the line of King David. And they found themselves in Bethlehem. They're like, oh, yeah, the city of David. And a child was born. They're like, the whole Old Testament's like, a child will be born, a child will be born, a child will be born. Then they, they couldn't perceive in their mind that that child would be God, even though the Old Testament calls him Emmanuel. They can't imagine that. They're like, that doesn't make any sense. The child should be called Almighty God. They're like, what's a weird name to give a kid? <laughs> you know what I mean? That doesn't, they can't compute Yahweh putting on flesh because no one can see him. He makes cosmoses. He doesn't put on flesh. He doesn't humble himself to our status. He's above every angelic thing that's ever been made. Everything trembles at his presence. How can this be? And then he does it. This is amazing. And because he, he's done that, he's fulfilled all those promises. Then he makes these promises. He says, hey, those promises were only half fulfilled. When I came the first time, because they thought it would all happen at once. When he came, it would be the good and dreadful day of the Lord. And it was the good day of the Lord because he came and he brought mercy and grace into the world. Through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness for sin came through Jesus Christ. Oh, this is really good news. This is why I bring you good news that's going to bring great joy. Because at this point, only the Israelites can be saved. But through Jesus Christ, the whole world can be. This is good news that will bring great joy to all men. Not some men. Not Hebrew men. All men, and that means humanity. That's what they would use the term men, humanity, mankind. This is going to bring new, good news to everyone. And when the news comes, there'll be great joy. Okay, this isn't good advice. Okay, this is what good advice is. If there's, a, if there's an army coming at you, 
You need, you need to get advisors if that army intends to inflict harm. You need to get advisors to give you, to give you counsel. Right? That's what you need. If, if, if death is still coming, then you need counsel. What are we to do? You guys catching this? This isn't, I need counsel. These good news is, someone else came and defeated the army. So, so I don't have to, I hope you're getting, the, there's an army coming. Oh, no. Someone comes, no, this is terrible news. An army's coming. Ten times larger than yours. Oh, no. With better weapons than yours. Oh, no. I need counselor. I need counsel. What am I to do? So that person brings information that's not good news that I need to now seek counsel. But when someone came heralding good news, it was because something already happened. So at the end of the battle, someone would come back and go, good news, good news. That's what, it, that's what a heralder of good news, they had an image for it. It's the person who found out the war's been won, the battle's been won, it's over, there's peace. And they would come and they would say, they would herald, good news, gospel, gospel, good news. We've won. We've won. Not that we need to prepare and, and, and go out and fight. The fight's been won. And God is so strong. He sends himself. He's like, I'll just come in my weakest state, whether it's on the cross or in the manger. That's the weakest possible state to put yourself in. And he's that strong that he'll still win. This is what God thinks of all of the mustard of man's strength and of all of Satan's power. He's like, that's cute. I'm serious. It says it in Psalms. He says that the nations rage against God's anointed and he laughs. This is our God. He comes at the weakest possible state, a child, a baby born in the manger, and then dies at the weakest state. He says, I freely give my life. No one takes it. And he dies, weakens himself, humbles himself to die as a criminal, though he's a holy, perfect God. This is our God. He said he would do it. Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus came, Isaiah 53 he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by his wounds, we are healed. This Savior comes, and in his weakness, triumphs over the greatest powers of evil. So that's what's already been done, church. This is so good. So what's coming? He's like a new heavens and a new earth. And to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and receives, believes that his blood is the payment for your sin, he's given them the right to become the children of God, the heirs of the world to come. You will inherit it. You will inherit it. And you're like, well, I'm not quite sure. And he's like, I said I was going to do all this. In history, there's no, there's no one in history that has more evidence for his existence than Jesus Christ. There's zero. More has been written and recorded about him than anyone else. We have more evidence that Jesus Christ lived, was born, died, and raised from the dead than we do that Caesar Augustus lived. 
I promise you, that's how it is. We know for a fact that this man lived, of how we determine whether historical events happened using that same study to determine whether or not Jesus Christ lived. There's more evidence for his existence, his death, his life, his death, his resurrection. There's more evidence for it than, 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 than Alexander the Great, more evidence than, than any of those historical people. Jesus Christ lived. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And if all of those things are true, then that means Jesus Christ is coming. And he's going to set the, the heavens and the earth will be renewed. Those who trusted in him will be raised. Those who didn't trust in him will be raised. Everyone will be raised. And they will stand before him as king and judge. And they will be judged. First and foremost, solely on whether or not they believed he was who he said he was. So now we live if we believe. If Christmas is the celebration that he came, then there is a Christmas coming that he's coming. That's the real Christmas I'm looking for. If my kids are excited about December 25th, I'm excited that, the, 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 that Jesus is coming, that there's a Christmas coming. That's the gift I want. The return of the King of Kings, the end of sin, death, and evil forever. Me being joined with my bridegroom. Every tear being removed. That if you eat the fruit from that new place, it'll be healing. Oh, I want that place. If we, I, I think there should be an eager expectation, an excitement. The Bible says, I wrote this, this um, down. I want, I want to, to share this. This is powerful. Let's, let's go there. Psalm 37. I'll end on this. The title of it is The Heritage of the Righteous and the Calamity of the Wicked. Verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. You want to know how we can live with an eager expectation every day, with joy overflowing every day? That's the secret right there. This is the thing that if you've gone here for any period of time, we're trying to get you to realize. I talked about last week that this thing's not a struggle. This isn't a duty that we, we offer God. Oh, it's my obligation. No, no, no. There's so much more to it than that. I talked about last week. It's not duty. It's beauty. It's not about the obligations. It's about the delight. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. He talks about light last week, right? 
He'll bring about your righteousness as the light. Revelation 21 says that there will be no need for the sun or the moon, for Yahweh will be its light. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light. Meaning when he shows up, righteousness will come with him. Your right that come with with Jesus. Hope, meaning I have an expectation because I know him. Joy, there's an excitement because I know him. He's a promise-keeping God and he makes this promise that all of your pain, if your body hurts at all, he's like, yeah, it'll all be removed forever. You're never going to feel those aches and those pains, you know. Been building a fort with my kids. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how Michael Block is working on a car. I'm like, I'm carrying plywood up hills. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is easier when I build cell towers every day. This is getting harder. So those aches where I'm just like, oh man. He says, now nah, you're running, you won't even get tired. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good news. Because <laughs> <laughs> just carrying that plywood up the hill, I'm tired. I'm, I'm really excited. This is good news. My son's getting to the age and the size that he just cl- carries the plywood himself. I'm like, so like, yeah, I got to train a child up in the way you should go. You carry the plywood. <laughs> I could. I don't want to keep you from learning, so you, you carry it. I think one of the things that comes is peace because he's the prince of peace. And I think one of the things that comes is rest. And he says he's the Lord of rest. And right here he says, rest in the Lord, wait patiently. What did I just read in Hebrews? He's like, I want to make sure you're diligent with your expectation so you'll wait. Meaning that you won't grow weary in your waiting, but you'll stay filled with this excitement in your waiting. So he says, rest. And again, I I need to do another message on rest because when I say rest, we think your lounge chair. He's not, that's not what he, he means by rest, but we'll do a different message on that. Rest in him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his ways. He's talking about evildoers, the man who brings wicked schemes. Um, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, and those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall inherit the earth. And yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but you shall not find it. But the meek shall inherit the earth. This is the Beatitudes, by the way. So awesome. So, so th- this is, it, it says those who, he says, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight. Did you see it? 
in verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth, shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Whose peace? <laughs> it's right. So this is, you, you should have rest. You should have peace. You should have joy abounding. He said that he would come as a baby, as a gift to, to the world, and he did. He says he's coming back as king, and he's going to set everything right. He's done that already. He cannot lie. He must do what he said. That means he's coming. That means that he's coming. The light has come into the world, and the light is coming. The Prince of Peace has come and is coming. So in this season, that's for me. I, I, there's this relationship between faith and hope. Faith comes by hearing. So when you delight in the Lord, one of the things that you get to do is hear him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. When, he's, when you delight in him, he says, my sheep hear my. We get to just hear him and it produces faith. Faith in what? Well, what he tells you is what he wants to do. An eager expectation he's going to do the things he told you to do. You know, I live. He says, we walk by, not by. My life has been lived spending time just delighting in him. I know his word because I spend time with him, delighting with him. Not a checklist. Not do read a book a day. I need to. No, I just enjoy him. I just enjoy him. I don't have any kind of start or end. And I've shared this. When I built cell towers, I lived in Bothell. I had to, to be at work. Work started. The start time was, was 5.50. I lived in Bothell, but my work was in Burley, Olala. So I wake up at 3 in the morning to get there so I can get there an hour early so I can spend time with him in my car. Not because it was any duty. No. Because he is the pearl of great price. I just want him. And sometimes I would work until the wee hours and have to stay on a friend's couch because I couldn't make it there and back. Just driving to my home and back, I would be late. That's how late we would work. And instead of just whatever drive, I would just spend time with him. And those guys I worked with were like, how are you doing this? How... How are you, how are you, how can you possibly continue to have strength? How can you do this? I was going to school full time. And I, and I said, I don't know. School was because he told me to go. There was just such a joy and such an ease to all of it. I had an eye twitch the last like, quarter or so. I was like, it's like, it's like, I think I need rest. <laughs> What's happening? But there was so much joy and so much peace and so much delight. I watched miracles. I, so many different amazing things happen. But that's my whole life. I follow him. I delight in him. He speaks. 
I want you to leave this. I want you to do this. I said, okay. I want you to leave that, and I want you to do this. Okay. I want you, and I just, all I do is follow his voice, and things get crazy in the midst of obeying his voice. And I don't worry a bit. Anyone that knows me, you never see me fret. I don't worry a, a bit. I don't worry about it. He said he was going to do it, church. Most of us have problems because we're building our lives. So when the wind comes, we're afraid. Because you built it. And when you build it, unless it's on the Lord, it's on sand. There's not a th So the Lord said, build this. I said, okay. On him. So I don't worry when the winds come. I get excited. I built cell towers, and I, I promise you, being way up there, the wind would start to blow. And this thing would start to do this. It's a monopole, not, not the, 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 the lattice towers, but the ones that are just one. I've been on wood ones before. You had to climb it with pegs. You get up there, and those ones move really easy. The human on the top of it, and it's just like, before wind, it's moving. And you know what I would say? It started to really blow and start to get really crazy. I said, Lord, take it down. Take the thing down. I just want you. It's like literally suicidal. I'm like, I just want you. But really what I was speaking to was fear. I said, fear, I will not entertain you. If this thing were to go down, I'd just get him. So take it down. You know, if that, that, those thoughts of fear would just leave. Because fear is a spirit. Okay, so, so when fear would come, when it would blow and all this, I had a promise. The promise is whether I live or I die, I have him. This thing can't be taken from me. If your hope is in something that can be taken from you, it's not hope. I can't lose it. So he says, do this, do that. It seems all impossible. I'm like, let's do it. I just want this for God's people so bad. I'm an optimist at the highest possible level. When I'm absolutely surrounded, I'm like, this is getting really exciting. I wonder what God's going to do. I do. That's what I was saying in September. I was like, anyone that was around me, I'm like, yeah. This is exciting because I didn't ask for any of this. God said he was going to do this, so let's see what he does. But the problem is, is for us as believers, have you really made him the destination of your life, the delight of your life, the purpose of your life? Is he the A to Z of why you exist? For me and my wife, at our worst day, he is the center. He is the purpose. He is everything. And on our best day, He is the purpose. He is the... Because He was our delight and our, and our destination, our purpose all along. So we just simplify this thing. I'm not trying to build a church. He said He'd build His church. I'm just enjoying the family of God. I'm just teaching and instructing the family of God. He said he'd build this thing. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, 
if it's caused you to lose joy, you've allowed your problem to take a position to block out your hope. I don't allow my problems to have space. I don't ignore them. They just don't become bigger than my hope. I have a God who's not caught off by anything I ever experienced. And I'm only on the path he sent me on. So if I come to a point in the path that it's like, oh no, I'm like, he sent me here. He already knows what's on the path. But if I was on my own path, gee, you better be, you better make sure you got backup. I don't know what you need, but but the path that the Lord's on, I never fret. I never worry. I have peace and I have joy. I have delight. Because I'm following him. So in this season, that's the question I have for you. Is he your delight? Is he the thing you're most eagerly expecting and excited for? Because if he's not, you've put your hope in something else. You've put your joy in something else. And that's why it's coming and going with whatever. If the thing you put your hope in can move, then your joy will move. It'll, you know, I have it and I don't have it. I can see it. I can't see it. If you put it in Emmanuel, God who's with you, you ain't got to worry about nothing. I will never leave you or forsake you. The Bible says in First Peter, we have a living hope. He's a person. He's a person. So this is it, church. It's really simple. It's really simple. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Can I have the ministry team to come forward? I, I huh? <laughs> pray for you first. <laughs> you already have the blessing of the nations. His name is Jesus. I sense there's some, some in this room. I don't want to point you out. But your happiness, you have happiness, not joy. Happiness can come and go with the seasons, but joy does not. You can have joy in the worst circumstances. If that's you, I want you to just come forward. These guys know how to pray for you. They, they're led by the Spirit. I sense someone that you're like a teenager. You're a teenager. And in each season, your mood is just like, it's not your hormones. It's your hope is in the wrong spot. You, you have yet to learn how to hold on to him and just keep him your hope. There's some teenage, a teenager in this room that needs to come forward. Your hope is kind of just... <laughs> I see a girl. I don't know if it's boys or whatever it is that you've tried to put your hope in. when he affirms you, you have it. When he doesn't, you don't. Listen, this man, Christ Jesus, is better than any of those boys. He's a man. <laughs> He's way better. I just challenge you to come forward. Step out in boldness and come forward. If your parent is with you, they want to come with you, amen, they can come with you. Bring them with you. But I want to pray for you. If you're here, you know Jesus, but in this last season, delight. In fact, you've been, I sense there's some who have been giving their, their delight to addiction, to some other stuff. And it's just like, you know Jesus is the solution, but there's something 
cognitive, there's something preventing you from that breakthrough, from it just being done, from that addiction loosing you, and from you fully attaining Jesus. If that's you, I want you to come forward. And if you need to come down with the person you came with, come down with them, okay? For the rest of us, just lift up your hands. Say, Jesus, Jesus, we believe Jesus. You're the Son of God. You have come, and you are coming. We set you as our delight. We delight in you, Lord. We give you our lives. We ask that you fill us with your love, with your delight. Fill us with your delight. We live for you, Jesus. We live for you. In this season, say that in this season, you are the gift that I'm eager to receive. The fullness of the God-man, of the King of Kings. This is what I desire. This is what I seek. That I may live with you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to pray a blessing over you and release you. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Other than that, you, you, uh, uh, you'll be released. So, Lord, I bless your people. I ask that you bless your people. You protect and keep your people. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lead them by your spirit. Fill them with your peace. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.